Well, hey everybody, it's so good to get into the Word together. We're going to jump in in a moment and I just want to say to everyone who's here for the first time, thank you so much for being part of our service, choosing to be with us online today. And if we haven't met yet, my name is Jean-Michel and I'm one of the pastors here at Victory. It's my privilege to bring the Word today and I'm really, really excited. If you have been kind of keeping your eyes open for the last little while, you will have known that the Comrades Marathon just happened. Amazing, amazing thing. And in fact, we actually have a number of people who not this year, but in previous years have run multiple Comrades Marathons. Can I just send a big shout out? If you have completed the Comrades Marathon, man, you are amazing. And you are crazy. You are insane. <laughs> really, I mean, it's, I, I can't even imagine what it must take to actually do the Comrades Marathon. You know, and in truth and in reality, I actually don't really get running all that well. If you know me, you know I love to cycle and I don't really have a leg to stand on in this conversation because I love to do endurance races on the bike. I love cycling like the 947. It's a beautiful race. It's roughly 100 Ks. It's a long way, but it's a lot of fun. And I really, really get that. And, and I, I, I love that. But I really, really don't get running. I don't, right? I don't get it at all. You know, uh, when I was in high school, um, they picked, picked me for uh, endurance running. So like cross country and long distance running <clears throat> in athletics. I was a, an athlete, I, I did a number of sports, but I never really got into the whole running thing. And here's, here's my thought, I don't know if you've ever thought the way that I think, but to run around in a circle, you know, you just run on a track just 17 times, just go and run around in a circle until you're tired. I never really got the point of that, right? Like at least if you're cycling and you're going somewhere, you, you, there's, a, there's a goal, you're getting somewhere, you know? And I probably just don't get it, it's probably just me. I mean, I understand, put me on a football pitch or a hockey field and, and then I'll run all day long, no problem. I get the point of what I'm doing, but just running around in circles until I'm dead, I never really got that. So I kind of dropped the athletics thing and, and leaned into other stuff. I never, never really got the running around in a, in a circle thing, just run around in a circle thing. But how many of us come on church track with me? How many of us feel that way in our lives? Like we're running round and round in circles, never really getting anywhere, never really reaching the goal and just getting tired as we're doing it. Come on, I'm thinking about um, in, your, in your personal life, trying to achieve something, or you feel like you know where God is taking you and you know where you're going, but you just seem to go round and round. Like you want breakthrough in your life. Maybe you're looking to God for healing or maybe you need freedom from an addiction and you just feel like you go round and round and you keep coming back to the same point. Like, like things get better for a while and you feel like you're getting somewhere and then somehow you just find yourself back at the same place. Let's get real for a second. How many of us feel like that in business right now when you know that there's promotion for you, there's a future for you, but every step forward you take, you just find yourself coming back to where 
you have always been. Some of us are looking for to move forward in our relationships, and we just keep we keep seeming to fight about the same thing. I'm thinking about spouses today, husbands and wives, or or with your your family, your brothers, sisters, or maybe your parents. You're trying to sort out issues, and you want breakthrough, but you keep coming back round, and it feels like your life is just going round in a circle. You keep fighting about the same thing. You keep getting thwarted by the same people in your job, the same issues. It's just the same stuff over and over again. In addictions, if we're real for a second, you just keep coming back to the fact that, man, I'll never be free from this because every time I move forward, I feel like I end up back at the same place. We're running round in circles, just running round in circles, getting tired in the process. And I have the answer. Come on, right at the outset of this message, I have the answer for you. And it's a profound answer, so get ready to write it down. Here's the answer to running around in circles. Stop running. That's it. Stop running. I mean, what? Like, stop running. If we're going round and round the mountain, just round and round in circles, we just keep going through the same things, my advice to you is stop running. And let me explain that a little. Stop trying to get to where you think you need to get and let God move you to where he wants you to be. This is what we're going to talk about today. Stop running. It's the title of my message. And let's pray for a minute as we open this up. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and speak something fresh into our hearts. That you would come remind us that no matter where we are in life, you have a plan and you're moving us somewhere. Will you come and speak that over us? Will you come open up our eyes, see what you have to say? Will only your voice be heard? We pray in your name, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're talking about stopping running, right? There was a man in the Bible... It's a guy in the Word, and he tried to run from God. And it just ended him up running round and round in circles. He went around until he let God take control of where he was going. And that man's name is Jonah. Come on, post in the chat if you know this guy, Jonah. Maybe you grew up in church and maybe in kids' church you heard of the story of Jonah. Maybe you didn't grow up in church, you never had that opportunity. Jonah was this guy in the Bible and you'll know the idea or the story or the myth of Jonah where he was swallowed by a whale, right? You might have heard that before. And, uh, and that's the story, that's the guy Jonah was in the belly of the whale, right? And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about Jonah, about how he tried to run from God, how God moved things around for him. But we're also going to dispel a, a couple of myths, right? There's a couple of thoughts about Jonah's life that we believe or that we think or maybe we've been taught, but they're actually not so true. And so today I really, I'm, I'm praying that God is going to help us understand what this means for us. Because I know out there, including me, that we go round and round in circles in our life. And we've got to get off that. We, we, we want to find our way to breakthrough, to freedom. We've got, we got somewhere where God is taking us, right? We don't want to go around in circles. And so as we overview Jonah's life, I believe God is going to show us in our own lives how he wants to move us forward and where he wants to take us. And Jonah is an interesting guy. 
you might have, you might know a lot about him, maybe you don't know too much. Many of us know some parts of who Jonah was. So we're going to overview his life a little bit and just take a look at, at this book. In fact, the book of Jonah, you'll find it in the Old Testament, is, is a short book. There's only four chapters. And you'll actually be able to read through the whole book in 20 minutes. doesn't take long. It's not a long book. But there's quite a, a lot of profound thinking that goes into this story. And so instead of reading a lot of scripture today, I'm going to overview Jonah's life, what this book is all about, and then we're going, to, we're going to pull out the pieces that God wants to talk about. So come, here we go. This is the overview of Jonah's life, right? The book opens up with God speaking to Jonah. Who was Jonah? Jonah was a prophet of God. He was a prophet. And what's interesting about Jonah's book is that it's, it's an anomaly. It's different to all other books of the prophets, right? Because if you go to like Isaiah or Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets, Micah, you will find that there's a lot of prophecy. Makes sense, right? They're prophets, they prophesy. Many prophecies that pertain to their time or even messianic prophecies about Jesus who is to come, even prophecies that have value to us today right here in our lives. But Jonah's book there's no prophecy in it, right? In fact, there's only one prophecy in the whole of the book of Jonah, but he was a prophet. So what does that tell me? That tells me that the book of Jonah is not about what he prophesied. It's about something else. That's what the book is about, something else. And we're going to find that out today. And so at the beginning of this book, God speaks to his prophet Jonah, and he says to him that he wants him to go to a city called Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is a big, massive city, and it's, it's 120,000 people in it, right? It was a massive city at the time, and uh, it was not a God-fearing city. This was not people who followed God. These were, these were people outside of the will of God, and, uh, and Jonah is called to go there. God asks him to go to Nineveh and tell them that they're on the path to destruction, that his wrath is is coming towards them and that they need to be careful because destruction is coming. And, uh, and this city is it's kind of on that same kind of vein as maybe Sodom and Gomorrah. These are people who are headed for destruction and God sends a prophet who is Jonah. But if you know the story, you know that Jonah did not want to go. He didn't want to go at all. In fact, he didn't just not want to go. He decides to run away. He says to God, if you want me to go to Nineveh, I'm going the opposite way, right? I'm not going anywhere near Nineveh, right? And this is myth number one, right? When I was taught this story, I was taught as a, as a kid, when I was in kids' church, um, I was taught that, that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he was scared, right? Because Nineveh was a, was a heathen city or not God-following city, and so he was scared that if he goes there and preaches the word of God that they might kill him or they might imprison him or they might mock him and so he was scared to go to Nineveh he was scared of what God wanted him to do and so he ran away because he was scared that's myth number one we're going to discuss that as we go but Jonah wasn't scared of going to Nineveh not at all truly he just did not want to go and so he runs that's what he does God says go to Nineveh he says no I ain't doing that 
How many of us sometimes find ourselves in that place, right? We know where God wants us to go. He's confirmed his word through a, a, a pastor or a friend or through his word. We know what we have to do, but we just don't want to do it. You know what? I don't even need to ask you. If I want to find out what you should be doing, right, that you're not doing, I just have to ask your spouse, right? If I come to your spouse and ask them, I come to your husband or I come to your wife and say, what does your husband need to do that he's not doing? Instantly you'll tell me. Same thing on the other side, right? The people around us, they know what we should be doing that we're not. And How many of us feel that way? We know where God's calling us to go, but we're not quite there. and We're on the circle, and sometimes we don't understand. These things are often connected. Oftentimes we're going round and round in circles because we're not going where God wants us to be. And this is where Jonah finds himself. So he gets on a ship, and he heads off to Tarshish. He, that's where he's going, as far away from Nineveh as he possibly can. And uh, as he gets on the ship, they go out, day is good, everything is fine. There's a crew that are taking care of the ship, and they're headed off. Now, a couple times in this message, I'm going to say the words, stop me if this sounds familiar, right? Because I want you to see a couple of really important things. And this is our first one. Because as the ship is going to the other side... As the ship is going forward, a huge storm comes about. The winds rise, the waves rise, and it becomes crazy in this boat, right? And so the crew are freaking out. They feel like they're going to drown, and the ship is going down. So they throw all of the cargo overboard to try and make the ship lighter. They're trying to make it away, and the storm is just getting worse and worse. Life-threatening storm. And so... You see, what happens with Jonah is uh, while the storm is just going crazy, he goes down to the bottom cabin and goes into a great deep sleep. Now stop me if you've heard this before, where a boat has people in it, goes across to the other side, and while they're going, there's a huge life-threatening storm, and someone is asleep in the boat. Stop me if you've heard that before. I have. That's the story of Jesus, right? We know that story. As he goes across and his disciples are freaking out, Jesus is asleep in the boat. And so here, Jonah is asleep in the boat, and so they, the crew eventually start freaking out and they're praying. The, the word says that they're praying to every God that they can think of, every possible God that they can think of. They're saying, help us, take care of us, right? And eventually they, they draw straws and they go to, to Jonah and they get him to draw a straw as well. They're trying to find who is the problem. Why are we going through the storm? And Jonah picks the short straw, of course, and they ask him, who are you and what do you do? Jonah says to them, well, I'm a prophet of the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. And uh, the reason that this storm is here is because of me. And these guys are just like, what do you mean? How, how, what? And he says, there's a way for you to stop this storm. You have to throw me overboard. Wow. Throw me overboard, Right. And they don't want to do that because he's a prophet of God and they think it's going to be even worse. They try and row to shore, but they don't make it. They, the storm just gets worse and worse. And so they get to the point where they have no choice and they throw Jonah overboard, right? As soon as they throw Jonah overboard, 
right? The storm ceases. And I want you to see something. This is another part where something is familiar, right? Jonah doesn't fight them on this. He doesn't stop them throwing him overboard. He knows, they know, and he knows that if he goes overboard, he's going to die. He doesn't stop them. It's almost as if Jonah is allowing himself to be killed, to be thrown overboard, right? I remember this. Stop me if it sounds familiar, but no one could kill Jesus, right? Uh, he had to give up his life. He didn't fight them when he went to that cross, right? He gave up his life. Okay, interesting. We move on a little bit more. This is the iconic moment, the part that everybody recognizes, right? Here comes a whale that swallows Jonah up, right? Here's myth, uh, a second myth, right? That it wasn't a whale, or at least the word doesn't say a whale. It's a fish. It's a large fish. We don't know what kind of fish. Who knows? So it's not Jonah and the whale, right? But uh, just Jonah and the fish, and he gets swallowed by this fish. And stop me if this sounds familiar, but he gets swallowed by that fish for three days and three nights. Interesting. Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights. Very interesting. And then we get to myth number three, right? This is what happens next. We have sometimes been taught that in this story, Jonah was in that whale, and he was like, I don't know if you've ever seen this picture, but Jonah's in the belly of the whale, and he's got a little campfire that's, that's there, and he's cooking fish while he's chilling, and, and he's alive inside of the fish. No, I want you to see something. Jonah died. Jonah died. When they threw him overboard, and he sunk down into that ocean, he died. He didn't fight his death. He let himself die. In fact, Jonah wanted to die. Rather than go to Nineveh, Jonah would rather die. And let's just get real for one second. How many of us have ever felt that way? That, man, I would rather just, it would actually just be better if I wasn't here. I know that's deep. Some of us are on this circle just going round and round, finding ourselves back at the same point so many times that we lose hope that our life could ever be different. I'm talking to you today. If you've ever felt this way, maybe feel right now. And so we're going to read in the book of Jonah, chapter 2 from verse 1 to 10, right? And I want you to open your Bibles because the word says that while he was inside the whale, he prayed to God. He prayed this prayer. And I want you to see what he says. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. From deep in the realm of the dead, you hurled me into the depths into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. 
The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah to dry land. Wow, that was a mouthful. What's going on here? Jonah went into the depths of the water and it pulled him down. And Jonah died. He went to the depths of the place of the dead, the realm of the dead, into the pit. The word pit there is the word grave or, or, or pit. It's the place of the dead. But from that place, Jonah cries out to God and he remembers the Lord and he prays this prayer of surrender, saying, I was, I was thrown into the depths, but you pulled me out. He says that, that those who cling to worthless idols, they will, they will perish, they will fall away, but I, I will turn my heart towards the holy temple. What is Jonah doing? He is now turning his heart to God and seeking the Lord for salvation. He says salvation comes from the Lord. When that happens, when Jonah prays this prayer of surrender, God, I can't do it myself. I need you to save me. That's when God commands the fish and the fish spits him out on dry land. What am I trying to get? What is this all about? Jonah, in this moment, is receiving God's grace for his own life, God's salvation, God's love, God's mercy on his own life. And this is the deep connection that we see Jonah to Jesus. It's not a mistake that all these connections are there, the boat being asleep, going down for three days and three nights, and then overcoming the pit, overcoming the grave. This is a direct comparison to Jesus, a direct comparison. God was proclaiming hundreds of years before before Jesus was to come, that this is how he's going to overcome the grave, overcome brokenness, and bring salvation to the world. This book of Jonah is not actually about God's anger and frustration. Check this out. The way that I've read Jonah over the years has always made me look at God's anger towards Nineveh, God's frustration with Jonah as he runs away from God's purpose for his life. But that's not what this book is really about. This book is all about God's grace. His grace, number one, towards Jonah. That's why he connects the salvation idea to Jesus through this Jonah figure. He wants to speak grace into Jonah's life. And so God brings him back from the dead when Jonah surrenders his life and his purpose to God. The book of Jonah is all about God's grace. Check this out. After this whole episode happens, Jonah finds himself on dry land. 
This fish didn't take him all the way to Nineveh, just spat him out on dry land. And now God speaks to him again and says to him, Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell them that they're on the path to destruction. And he does. Now he chooses to go. He goes to Nineveh. And this is the one and only place where Jonah prophesies. He says that when he gets to Nineveh, it will take him three days to get from one side to the other. And so for the first day, he starts walking through Nineveh and he's proclaiming to everyone that he sees, he's prophesying that the wrath of God is coming for them. And here's the interesting part. They believe Jonah in almost the complete opposite to the Sodom and Gomorrah story, these people believe Jonah and word gets all the way to the king of Nineveh and they proclaim a fast for all the people, not just even the people, the animals even. They, they hear the word that God, his destruction is coming towards them and they choose to repent and turn their hearts towards God, amazing story of salvation coming to the city of Nineveh. And you'd imagine that Jonah's response to that would be that he's happy, that people have been saved, their hearts have been turned towards God. But if you know the story, that's not Jonah's reaction. In fact, Jonah gets angry with God, more angry than we've ever seen in the rest of this text. He says to God, essentially, I knew you were gonna do this. And this is where we see why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't go, he did not want to go because he was scared. He didn't want to go because he didn't want grace and mercy to come to Nineveh. Come on, track with me here. Jonah did not want salvation to come to Nineveh. Nineveh was not a godly city, and it didn't feel like they deserved the grace of God. Jonah says, I know you, and I know that you are full of grace and mercy, slow to anger, and I didn't want these, Nineveh, these Ninevites to receive that. And he gets angry with God, and God says to him, is it right that you are angry about this? Jonah doesn't answer, and we get close to the end of the book, and there's this, this very interesting interaction between God and Jonah, and it's where, and, and this is how the book draws to an end. So what happens? Jonah essentially says to God, I knew you would do this, and I didn't want this to happen because they deserve justice, man. We need justice to come to them. They deserve the destruction that's coming their way, but I knew that you would send grace to them. And I didn't want that to happen. So God says to him, is it okay that you're angry about this? Why are you so angry about this? Jonah doesn't answer, but he goes out of the city and he's almost sulking. He's like in a huff. He goes out of the city and he goes and finds his way to a little spot outside. And he essentially says, you know what? I wish I would just die. I wish I would just be dead because life sucks. Everything sucks. This isn't good. I, you know, I, I knew God was going to do this and, and there's no justice in this world and nothing good ever happens. And you know what? Everything just, everything sucks, right? This is how Jonah is basically speaking at this point in time. And I know so many of us have felt that way, man. When we have been trying and we've been seeking God for where to go and how to get out this circle and how to find breakthrough. Come on, I know I'm talking to you right now. When you just feel like, man, nothing good ever happens 
to me. Everything always sucks. Everything always falls apart. I try so hard and I never get where I want to go. If you've ever felt that way, this is how Jonah is feeling right now. And so he, he's sitting in the sun and the sun is baking him and he's, he's in agony and he's just distressed. And there's this interesting thing that happens where a leaf grows, a big leaf grows and it puts shelter over Jonah. And, uh, and Jonah is so grateful for this, this leaf because it brings him shade and it brings him comfort in a difficult place. And then he goes to sleep and he sleeps the night. And while he is sleeping, a worm comes. The Bible says that, that God sends a worm, and a worm chews this leaf and destroys it from its roots out. And, uh, and the leaf withers and dies. And so Jonah wakes up the next day, and his leaf is gone, and he gets all angry again, right? He's real up and down, this guy. He was just thankful and happy about this leaf, and now he wakes up and he's angry. And he says even harder, you know what? I just want to be dead. I just want to die. I don't want anything more to do with this. And God comes to him again. And this is the interaction he has with Jonah, and it's the interaction he's having with us. I want us to see something as we're coming towards the end of this message. Jonah is in a place where he just can't see any good coming out of anything. There's no justice in the world. There's no goodness. Everything is bad. And God says to him, this leaf, is it right that you should be angry about this leaf that has withered? And Jonah says to him, yes, I should be angry because this thing was bringing me shelter. And now for no good reason, it's dead. And now I'm just in the sun again and I wish I was dead. God says to him, did you plant that, that leaf? Did you make it grow? Did you nourish it? Did you bring this leaf up? No, you did not. You also had no part in its withering away. You played no part in this entire leaf story. So why are you mad about this entire leaf? Why? Why are you mad about this? You played no part in it. And then he changes track and he says to Job, and, this, and he says to Jonah, and this is how the book ends, that in the same way, should you be angry about Nineveh, how, if, you, if, if God would even take care of this leaf, how much more so the 120,000 people in the city of Nineveh, how much more should you care about Nineveh and the people there. If you care so much about this leaf, how much more should you care about the people in Nineveh? And that's how the book ends. The writer wants us to ask ourselves the same question. You will come off that cycle, that circle of going round and round and coming back to the same place. You'll come off it in the running when you understand that the freedom God wants to give you is not just for you, but it's for an entire world that needs your testimony. 
Come on, come on, church. I'm here to encourage you. I know it feels like nothing goes right. I know you've been trying so hard to find your way to God's purpose for your life. Come on. But God is going to move in you when you realize that this testimony is not just for your betterment. It's not just for your life, but it's for a broken world that needs to know Jesus. So many of us feel just like Jonah. We look out at this world. We look at the injustice in it, and we just don't want grace to come to them. Some of us, if we look hard inside of ourselves, we don't want salvation to come to this world. We want destruction. We want them to get what they deserve. We want justice. But I want to show you these three people that are inside this story. This story is there's three people that are represented here. Number one, Jonah represents us, the people of Israel, and by extension, the church. He represents us. We are people who know God. We are people who have a calling and a purpose in God. And God calls us to do amazing things if we will follow his voice. That's who Jonah represents. It's us. Jonah also represents Jesus, right? Jonah the prophet, the one who dies, goes to the grave and raises again after three days. He's a representation of Jesus and links Jesus and his story of grace and salvation firmly into the story of Jonah. And then there's a third person. There's a third representation, but it's not Jonah. It's the city of Nineveh. Who does the city of Nineveh represent? The world. People. Humanity. Just people who are on the road to destruction. It doesn't matter what Nineveh did. It doesn't matter why they were on the road to destruction. They just were on the road to destruction. It's a city full of people who don't even know they're going the wrong way, but they're on the way there. And come on, that's the world. It's humanity. It's the people out there. It's our friends. It's our families. It's the stranger on the street who doesn't even know they're headed on the way to destruction by the way that they live and the things that are happening and the fact that they're separated from God come on and God wants to use you and me to impact them we're looking for God to promote me promote me sort out my marriage bring me healing set me free from this addiction and we're thinking about it because of me but God wants to use you and your testimony to touch someone out there And it doesn't make sense, right? The world doesn't deserve the grace. But let me ask you the question. Did Jonah deserve the grace that God gave him when he went into that fish? Of course not. Jonah wasn't really a good dude. He wasn't a great guy. He ran from God. He didn't want grace to come to people. Yet God still shows him mercy and grace. Jonah represents us. Sometimes we look out there at this world and we think we're different to them. But we are saved by the same grace that saves them. Some of us, we're running round and round that circle, coming back to where we started because God wants us to remember that we just like the world. We are saved by his grace. And if we will choose to make our story about touching others, 
then God will take us off of that circle, move us into his purpose so that he can bring freedom from addiction, bring healing where there is sickness, bring a restoration to your marriage, bring that business, bring that promotion so that when you get there, you glorify God and people see that they need him just like you do. God needs us all to understand two things today. There is grace for us. It means we can't fix our marriages. We can't fix the things going wrong in our lives. We need to surrender just like Jonah surrendered when he prayed that prayer. You and I need to surrender and pray that same prayer. God, you take you take hold. You gotta save us. You gotta move us where you want us to go. There's grace for you and there's grace for me. But there's also grace for a world out there that is lost and broken and our testimony is for them. That's who God needs and that's who he wants you to be. So come, let's pray together as we bring this to a close. Father, I pray right now that you show us through this idea of Jonah's life Now, Father, you have a heart, a huge heart for a lost and dying world out there. And that your breakthrough and and, and freedom in our lives is for us. It's for our own good. It's for our own life and our own benefit. But it's not just for us. It's also so that a testimony might touch others out there. I ask today that you reveal that to us. Whatever circle we're going around, whatever difficulties, challenges, addictions, wherever we're going round and round and never seem to get anywhere, that you'll show us how we can stop looking at just ourselves and think about how we can impact a world out there with our own story, that we can put our faith and our trust in you. Lord, your grace, it abounds. It's huge and it's more than we could ever imagine. And so I ask, Lord Jesus, come and show that to us. Come show us grace and help us show grace to a world that needs it. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.